0: have a blog and book on the Daniel fast. And over the years, I've heard many criticisms that the Daniel fast is not a true biblical fast because fasting should be only water, not eating. Another objection I've heard is that the Bible doesn't explicitly use the phrase Daniel fast. So does the Daniel fast count? Or have we watered down biblical fasting to make things more convenient and less sacrificial for people? And are pastors and people who promote the Daniel fast in error are teaching something false. <laughs> Welcome to the Holy Well Journey Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Hodges. Join us for weekly faith-based conversations on holistic health to uncover practical tips for how to thrive and apply biblical wisdom to our busy modern lives. From fitness to food to fasting, we're here to discover what it means to have a healthy spirit, soul, and body. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Well, I've sincerely wrestled with these questions, read the Bible, prayed, and I've also received lots of feedback and observations from my own online fasting community. And so here is my take on the Daniel Fast, and I do think it has something to offer as a spiritual discipline, not just a diet, and I'm going to share with you five reasons why. First, I'd like to talk about what the biblical fasting journey looks like. Why did I call my book Daniel Fast Journey? Why is that the name of my website? Now, spiritual fasting is about seeking the Lord and drawing closer to Him. The point of fasting isn't to follow a protocol for eating or not eating. But it's about separating from worldly ways and mindsets and seeking heavenly ways. It's about abstaining from food in a way that uniquely impacts our body, soul, and spirit. Still, our success in fasting, it's about our heart and our obedience, not just how extreme our fasting plan is. So we have to consider the question, what is the fruit of our fasting? What does fasting produce in me? What does it stir up in me? Why am I motivated to do it? And I'll tell you, after fasting for many years, fasting isn't easy. It's not something I necessarily look forward to, but because I've seen so much fruit in my own life, it's something that I feel uh, not only encouraged to continue doing personally, but to share with others the many benefits of this practice. And science is just continuing to catch up to show why this fasting is so good for our bodies from a physical health reason. And even as we're doing it as a spiritual discipline, The primary motive isn't our physical health, there's still many benefits that we'll get in our physical health from fasting. So, let me tell you about how it started. In my first experience fasting corporately with my church, I did a three day liquid fast. So, I was consuming some smoothies and fresh juices and protein shakes. And that was a difficult challenge for me. But at some point, I did a Daniel fast. And Daniel fasting was the primary way I fasted when I had my three children, because I had a child every other year for some period of time. My children are all two years apart. And so I was either pregnant or I was nursing. And in doing the Daniel fast, I actually found it more difficult than I expected. And part of that was because I couldn't figure out what to eat. And I was spending so much time preparing new to me recipes that I was sure I was missing the actual point of fasting because I was spending so much time in the kitchen and not spending time with God. So I had a blog at the time that was for moms about fitness and health, and I posted a seven-day Daniel meal plan there because I was hoping that it would help some other people save time and energy that I felt like I had wasted when I did the Daniel fast. Well, that post did help a lot of people, and it led to the ministry being what it is today. But my initial meal plan also brought a lot of criticism because at that time, my understanding of the Daniel fast was pretty simple and straightforward. I was thinking the Daniel fast means you don't consume any animal products and alcohol and processed foods, and you're eating things that only come directly from nature. However, I discovered there were some more rules, quote-unquote rules, that people take offense to eating certain things on the Daniel fast that they don't think are in the guidelines. And some examples of this would be like, you can't use an oil and vinegar salad dressing because you can't have vinegar, it's fermented. And the same would go for soy sauce, so you can't add that to your stir fry or food like peanut butter or tofu, even though they're natural, they're processed. And so hearing all these different guidelines caused me to ask my own question, which is who made up these rules? Because I know these food lists aren't specifically in the Bible. So why did I call it Daniel Fast Journey? And I'd like to also give the disclaimer early on that I'm not a full-time vegan that I do practice water-only fasting and intermittent fasting, as well as the Daniel fast. I'm not trying to convince anyone to only do the Daniel fast or that it's necessarily the best fast out there, but I do strongly believe it's a great starting point for many people. And we are on this lifetime journey of discovery, of knowing more about God, of knowing more about ourselves and all that he's created. And the Daniel fast is a practice that spurs many people to go deeper and higher in pursuing their spiritual, mental, and physical health, and in pursuing the Lord. And so if you're dealing with fasting in the real world, you realize that many people are so intimidated by the idea of fasting that they never try it. Some have medical conditions, they might be pregnant or nursing as I was, or they might just be overwhelmed by the idea of fasting while they're taking care of little ones, meeting the demands of work, maybe traveling. There are all kinds of scenarios that are different. So while it's true that when you do a water fast, your energy tends to skyrocket after you've adjusted after the first couple of days, that's not necessarily the case for everyone. And you do need to remember, you need to talk to your doctor about whether water-only fasting is safe for you or any type of fasting is safe for you because it's not safe for everyone. And it also tends to affect women very differently than men. And you might notice that the people that most strongly propose that we should do water-only fasting are often men. And whether it seems right or not, lots of people just can't jump that mental hurdle to go directly into water-only fasting. So the Daniel Fast can be a bridge that spurs us onward. And there are three primary ways that the Daniel Fast encourages us, I think, in our own journeys, and each of us are unique and different. And the first is that it's a journey to explore different types of fasting. You may start with the Daniel Fast and then eventually move on to Water Fast. The second is that it's a journey to better eating habits and health year-round, because once you cut out all of those processed junk foods, you realize the negative impact that these packaged foods and caffeine and sugar have in our diets and our health. And so after doing a Daniel Fast, many people commit to really cleaning up their diet, which has incredible repercussions for their physical and mental health. And the third one is that it's a journey to hearing God's voice and greater intimacy with Him through spiritual disciplines and also experiencing freedom and breakthrough. So rather than wait for the perfect time to do a fast that might seem really overwhelming to you, you can start to take those steps now. You can start your journey in fasting and making fasting a regular spiritual discipline and practice in your life. And if the Daniel Fast is a way to do it, then I think you need to take that step. Before we talk about how to fast, let's set the stage for the lives that we're living because our modern lifestyle is drastically different than someone who lived 2,000 years ago. The first is that we are way more sedentary. We do not move around as much as we used to, even 50 years ago. And technology is a big reason for this. The second is that our food supply and our eating habits are extremely different because we have a wide variety of foods available to us. We have a large amount of food available to us. And we now have some of these processed foods that never existed before. You know, portion sizes have increased and we have access to food all the time, from the break room at work to fast food drive throughs to, to meal delivery services that will just show up at our doorstep. And then there's also the issues of chronic health, which is largely driven by lifestyle habits like diet and exercise or lack thereof. And that has led to skyrocketing rates of overweight and obesity. And things have changed drastically, even in the past 60 years. So some of these statistics show worldwide since 1975, the number of overweight adults has nearly tripled. And in the same period, the obese population has doubled. And in the United States in particular, the percentage of obese adults tripled from around 13% in the early 1960s to nearly 42% in 2020. And childhood obesity rates have also gone way up from 5% in the 1970s to over 19% by 2020. And the thing is that along with this rise in obesity, it's not just an aesthetic thing. There are many metabolic health issues, blood pressure, high cholesterol, and suffering from insulin resistance, and this often means people are on medications. And medications are going to affect how our body responds to fasting, and sometimes a drastic and abrupt change in our diet without an adjustment period can be overly disruptive. And all of this to say, based on our current environment, our current eating habits, a Daniel fast can be a very significant shift and very sacrificial eating pattern for many people it can be a stepping stone for cleaning up the diet and allowing the body to process out toxic junk that's built up. Now, one of the key differences people like to point out when we're talking about biblical fasting is being accurate with our definitions. And we can link to a blog post that talks about lots of biblical examples of fasting and these very specific definitions in Hebrew and Greek. But fasting in a biblical context, it means going without food entirely. It means covering the mouth. That means not eating. And abstaining might mean more that we're choosing to not eat certain food items or to abstain from other activities. However, it's become really common to use these terms interchangeably. And someone might say, I'm fasting from Netflix or I'm fasting from spending. That might not seem accurate with how we define fasting biblically, but the motivation is really the same that they're choosing to separate from something that gives them a lot of temporary pleasure something of the world, and they're choosing instead to turn towards the Lord and to rely on Him for whatever that thing in their lives might be filling, whether it's just a temporary satisfaction, whether it's a distraction, whether it's a numbing of certain emotions, a cure for loneliness, a cure for stress. Food is a big part of that, but there can be other things as well that are distracting us from pursuing our relationship with the Lord wholeheartedly. And although that may not substitute for a biblical fast, it's still a very healthy practice to do. So now let's dive into five reasons why I believe the Daniel Fast is a great fit and powerful spiritual practice for many people. The first is modern fasting differs from biblical fasting. And that's just a fact, and we touched on this a little bit earlier. But throughout church history, abstention fasts, abstaining from certain food items, has been particularly prominent in Orthodox Christianity, Catholicism, Eastern Orthodox, and it's played a significant role in the spiritual practice of believers. And these fasting traditions often involve abstaining from certain foods on certain holy days, but it's also about turning from worldly pleasures and focusing on giving and serving others. And so an Orthodox fasting calendar may include days of fasting from specific food items like meat, but allowing fish, and sometimes more stringent fasting like following a strict vegan protocol or eating only one full meal a day or fasting from food entirely. And because of the constant feasting we're all accustomed to in our modern world, the idea of abstaining from certain food categories feels like a more natural and logical first step for many people, especially if they're brand new to fasting. And the other difference in our modern fasting practice is why we fast. Because if you consider the examples of fasting in the Bible, they're usually a response to prompting circumstances or seeking divine guidance, even mourning and repentance. In Nehemiah chapter 1, it says that Nehemiah, in the face of the broken walls of Jerusalem, fasted and prayed for strength and favor to rebuild. So when he got this news of the broken down walls of Jerusalem, he was so moved by that, it would lead him to fast and pray and seek the Lord. And then in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, we see that King Jehoshaphat was confronted by a vast enemy army. And he called a fast for the whole army and their families so that they could seek God's intervention. And he gave them a strategy and assurance of victory going forward. Another example would be Jonah, who preached to the city of Nineveh, and in response to his preaching, they repented and they declared a three-day fast for the whole city, even the animals. And so these instances highlight common themes that we see in the Bible when it comes to fasting. It's usually a response to a specific situation or a prompting from the Lord. They're often shorter in duration than a lot of the fasts that we see today, and they're also marked by a heartfelt connection with God. It's not just going through the motions of physical eating or not eating. It's truly about seeking the Lord. So our modern fasts, are often programmed because a lot of churches will do like a 21-day fast in January. And that's not wrong, and I actually do that myself as well. But it does make it easy for fasting to become a dry routine or for us to just confuse it with the New Year's resolution culture that we see promoted, like a diet, like a healthy kickstart to the new year. When fasting is actually an ancient spiritual discipline, there's so much more to it than that. The key is in the heart of fasting. Your fast can be planned, but still done with the right motives and heart. Your fast can be eating some foods and abstaining from others. Again, the key is the heart. The second reason why many people do the Daniel fast is because of certain verses in the book of Daniel. And so people are not just pulling the Daniel fast out of thin air. In the book of Daniel, and there are these three scriptures in particular, Daniel chapter 1 verse 12 Daniel says, please put your servants to the test for 10 days and let us be given some vegetables to eat and water to drink. In Daniel 9, 3, he's talking about reading the scroll of Jeremiah about the Babylonian captivity. And this is such a moving thing for him. He says, so I gave myself to the Lord to seek him by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. And then the third example from the book of Daniel is in chapter 10, verses 2 to 3. And it says, in those days, I, Daniel, had been mourning for three entire weeks. I did not eat any tasty food, nor did meat or wine enter my mouth, nor did I use any ointment at all until the entire three weeks were completed. So these Bible passages form the basic tenets of the modern Daniel fast, which is usually done for 10 or 21 days. Although there's no rule that it has to be that length of time. You can do it for whatever length of time you feel called. It's abstaining from animal products, tasty foods, and alcohol. And then on the converse, it's eating only plant-based foods. But this is where there's some gray area and controversy because this list of food. That Daniel was mentioned from abstaining from is very concise and general. And we know that back in the day, Daniel didn't have Cheetos and Snickers, but we have to assume those would fall into a tasty food category. But then you have other items like almond milk and peanut butter and whole wheat tortillas, and it's not so easy to determine. And we're not going to dive deep into the topic of what to eat in this episode, but it's worth mentioning. And the counsel I give to people is there's some things that clearly you should eat or not eat on a Daniel fast. But then with those gray area foods, you just need to decide ahead of time in advance, purpose in your heart, what you're going to eat or not eat while you fast, and let the Lord lead you in that. The bottom line from these three biblical passages is that Daniel abstains from food. He's driven by motives of remaining undefiled, of repentance and of mourning. And another thing I want to just say is that the Bible also doesn't mention people doing 21-day water fast every January. So when I hear somebody criticize the Daniel fast, I just think that's kind of funny because the Bible doesn't really talk about people doing a 21-day water fast. It's something that we've also taken biblical principles and we've applied them to our modern life. And so we're going to talk in a minute about Matthew chapter 6 when Jesus gives some specific instruction about fasting. But this is in a passage where he talks about when you give, when you pray, and when you fast. And in giving and prayer as well, he doesn't say exactly how to do it. He doesn't say each person should give exactly this much. He doesn't say you should pray this many minutes every day. He gives us the principles. He gives us the heart behind it. And then it's up to us to walk with the Lord and be led by the Spirit in how we do these spiritual disciplines. So the third point is the heart of fasting. And I've already alluded to this. But we really have to ask ourselves, what is the heart of fasting? What is the purpose? Why would God invite us to fast? And these are important questions that God doesn't command us to fast. It's a, not a have to, but it is a get to. And many people will cite Matthew 6, 16-18 that says, when you fast, and Matthew 9, 15 when Jesus is questioned about why his disciples aren't fasting, and he said it's because the bridegroom is with them, but when he's gone, then they will fast. And those two passages in particular seem to be evidence that Jesus was expecting his followers to fast. And we know that the early church customarily fasted on Wednesdays and Fridays, and many Christian leaders throughout history fasted regularly we see all these accounts where great revivals were preceded by dedicated periods of prayer and fasting. There's solid evidence, lots of personal testimonies that fasting works. But truthfully, the mechanisms of why it works the way it does are still partly a mystery to us. But we do know the Bible has a lot to say about fasting, and Isaiah 58 is an essential chapter to read. Anytime you fast, I try to read it every time I fast. It's about the Lord's chosen fast, which isn't about our sacrifice. It's not about our religious ritual, but it's about God's desire to set the captive free. Also in Matthew eleven eighteen, 18, Jesus said, it's not, and he's talking to the Pharisees here. He says, it's not what enters the mouth that defiles the person, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles the person. What does this tell us? And my conclusion is that the heart of the person fasting and their position of humility before the Lord are vital. But the method and length of their fast comes secondarily. Now, I was recently listening to two pastors talk about fasting, and they were both strong proponents of water fasting. But one of them said, he said, a person who does a Daniel fast for 30 days with the right heart is going to see so much more fruit than the person who does a water only fast for 21 days, but is doing it out of pride. So keep that in mind and don't let yourself feel condemned by some of the comments you might hear or some of the things other people might say. However, I would say this as an additional note. In the Bible, fasting is about giving up food. It's not talking about media or other pleasures or social media or TV or Netflix, YouTube, those kinds of things. And I don't think that's just because that type of technology didn't exist in the Bible. That's obvious. But I do think it's essential that you give up some kind of food or drink when you're fasting that's a sacrifice for you. And even if you have health conditions that require you to maintain a specific food intake, there's probably something like sweets or soft drinks or coffee or something that you could give up. Because I really believe that the spiritual shift and breakthrough we're seeking in fasting comes about by falling into this ancient practice of fasting that we've shared for generations, which is about saying no to our cravings, denying our flesh, giving up physical food and choosing to fill ourselves with spiritual food instead. Something profound happens when we do this. Like I said, it's a mystery. But when you try it for yourself, you will understand. The fourth point is fasting is something we do in the secret place. Fasting isn't for show. We should be careful in how and where we talk about our fasts and who we talk about them to. And this is for two primary reasons. First, it's to ensure that we're not boasting and we're not fasting for show. But secondly, it protects us from unnecessary criticisms and judgments and attacks of other people. So in Matthew 6, verses 16 through 18, Jesus said, Whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they neglect their parents so that they will be noticed by men when they are fasting. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that your fasting will not be noticed by men, but by your father who is in secret. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now keep in mind, This doesn't say that the reward is that the Father is going to instantly do exactly what you want. (laughs) These are heavenly rewards, and we might be sowing into a future reward. We don't always know what that's going to look like as we fast, but we do have the promise that the Father sees what we're doing in secret and that he will reward us. And then Jesus also tells a story in the Gospel of Luke, and this is in chapter 8, verses 9 through 14. To some who trusted in their own righteousness and viewed others with contempt, he also told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like the other men, swindlers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and pay tithes of all that I acquire, but the tax collector stood at a distance, unwilling to even lift his eyes to heaven. Instead, he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you, this man, rather than the Pharisee, went home justified. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. So taking the seat of humility, this posture of humility before the Lord and obedience is so key. And it's in the secret place that we build our connection with the Lord. We build this intimate relationship. And there are times we're called to corporate fasting and we honor our leaders. And there is definitely a powerful spiritual release when we fast in unity. And there might be other times we fast with a few friends and we support and pray for one another. And there may be times that we fast alone. At the end of the day, it's not about how people judge our fast. Our heart is to be obedient to the Father and follow His leading and cultivate that relationship with Him. The final point is that we are fasting forward. And I want to return to that concept of journey that I brought up towards the beginning, that fasting is a lifelong spiritual practice. It's not a one-time endeavor. If it were, I can understand why it would seem really critical to get every detail exactly right, like how long we're fasting, why we're fasting, how we're fasting. But the truth is you have many opportunities to fast in your life. And I encourage you to find a regular rhythm of fasting, not just once at the beginning of the year and then done. But you can try different types and lengths of fast over time. Longer is not always better. Sometimes the Lord may ask you to fast for just a day. And you can start with a small step. And maybe that's going from dinner one night to noon the next day without eating. Or you might do a five-day Daniel fast, or a three-day liquid fast, or a two-day liquid fast. Don't fall into the trap of an all or nothing mindset regarding fasting or that you have to follow someone else's plan. You should always pray and ask the Lord, Lord, how should I fast in this time? Because it doesn't always have to look exactly the same. Instead, you need to ask yourself these five key questions. How can this fast move me forward? How will this fast impact my spiritual health? How will this fast impact my physical health? How does this fast bring me closer to the Lord? And how do I feel myself spiritually as I fast? Because fasting is just as much about what you do and how you feed yourself spiritually as it is what you abstain from and what you don't consume. So I trust that if you're trying to fast in a modified way because you're trying to take the easy road, the Holy Spirit will convict you of that and he's going to empower you to undertake a more sacrificial fast. But that should feel like conviction, not condemnation, not because you've heard what other people are doing and now you feel guilty about it. As for the vast majority of people, my advice on fasting is always that you should start where you are and do what you can and the Lord will increase your capacity as you go. So let's sum it all up and here's a final reason, a bonus reason. I want to encourage you that the Daniel fast has its place and it's even an ideal option for many believers because of the testimonies. I hear testimonies all the time about how people have been impacted and transformed by doing a Daniel fast and you can read some of those at danielfastjourney.com/stories. I've also experienced that in my own life. When I started out fasting, I felt a closeness to the Lord and got answers to prayers and received breakthrough in times of fasting. And I actually can't think back and tell you, oh yeah, when this happened, I was doing a Daniel fast for this length of time, or that was the time I was doing a liquid fast. I don't remember how I was fasting. I remember the answers to my prayers. And so I want to leave you with this final thought. Don't allow fasting to become a burden or an idol in your life. Keep your eyes on Jesus and remember that the Lord considers you a beloved daughter or a beloved son no matter what. He wants what's best for you and he will lead you with peace. And fasting is a get-to thing that we get to do and it is powerful and it will transform your life. So I encourage you again to start where you are and do what you can and let the Lord lead you. We have tons of resources at danielfastjourney.com to help you with meal plans for the Daniel Fast, devotionals. And not just about the Daniel fast, but about fasting in general and other spiritual disciplines. So please make sure to check that out so you can get started on your own journey. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Holy Well Journey podcast. Please be sure to subscribe and you can also head over to holywelljourney.com to check out the show notes and the whole podcast library. That's also where you'll find information about our health and wellness coaching, which you can participate in online from wherever you are in the world. Just a reminder and disclaimer that this podcast is for educational and informational purposes only. It is not a substitute for medical advice or professional counseling. Please be sure to consult your doctor before making any changes to your diet or exercise plan or start. To fast. If you're interested in more information about fasting and spiritual disciplines, check out danielfastjourney.com. Thanks for joining us on this journey to becoming wholly well.